Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of, and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Hi, it's Dr. Maggie Perry, and this is Tell Me What You're Proud Of. I'm here with Stephanie for the third and final session. Um, Stephanie has listened to the consultation that I did with Dr. Al Jerome, and we're just going to talk about what that means for her treatment going forward. So thanks, Stephanie, for being um, here on this episode. Um, Can you tell me what you thought when you listened to the consultation? Yeah. um, So one thing that I heard um, Dr. Aldrom ask about was, what's the core fear that I have with my um, pedophile-themed OCD? And after thinking about it, um, I think it's mostly like what kind of person would have these terrible thoughts and what does it mean about me? Um, So I just get a lot of shame from it. I feel a lot of shame when I have those thoughts, like intrusive thoughts or images that pop into my mind. How have you worked with the shame over time? Um, I mostly have just learned to let that feeling be there and just try to say to myself like even though I feel kind of like a terrible person right now um I'm going to be present and like move towards my values in this moment and I think with practice I learned that I could do that um especially in the classroom, um, the more that I did it, the more confident I got that in the morning I would just be like, that's okay that I'm having these thoughts and feelings. I'm still going to enjoy my day. And I know that I can because I've done it before. That's great. So you had, you built experiential confidence. I can imagine that in the beginning, just knowing that the feeling you were having was shame and then also being willing to label the feeling as shame rather than believing that you were actually a terrible person. That must have been kind of challenging. Can you say more about how you learned how to label what you were experiencing and how you got distance from the idea that having those thoughts meant that you were a bad person? Hmm. Um, I think talking to you helped me to label how I was feeling. Um, because before that, I wasn't really sure, I guess. So um, that really helped. And I do find that labeling how I feel um, 
does help a lot. And that's like a new skill that I've learned that's been really helpful for me in like all different situations. Um, so it was really hard. I think, um, I'm trying to think of what I did exactly. <laughs> it's hard to remember. I remember when it was happening. I remember exactly kind of when I was able to sit with it because it was like over the Christmas holidays, I was home with my daughter. So I was actually having more intrusive thoughts about her than my students at school. And I had the time because I was at home and on holidays, I had the time to really try to use the skills that I had heard you talk about that, I, but I'd never really figured out. And I just remember like feeling a lot of anxiety, like a lot in my body. Um, like I would just get like pressure on my chest and um, felt like my diaphragm would be tightening and butterflies in my stomach. And it, it was pretty intense at the time. And I mostly was just saying like, these are the feelings that I'm feeling in my body because of the thoughts that I'm having. And also feeling shame about it um and I kind of was just like I can I can live with this feeling without trying to push it away so I'm just going to bring myself back to being with my daughter and that feeling's just going to stay with me yeah that's a really wonderful story not only is it a really big memory for you that you now have experiential confidence in several other areas because of um but it also sounds like you did the process perfectly in that before when you had certain thoughts they felt true the sensations you were having felt like threats it seemed like you urgently needed to figure it out or or do something to make it go away where the main shift that you had is like okay i can i can observe these thoughts as thoughts i can watch the connection in terms of what's happening that i'm having sensa i'm having thoughts and then i'm having sensations and the way that the thoughts and the sensations are playing off each other is increasing the experience that I'm having. But this experience does not mean that it's true and it doesn't mean that it's a threat to me. So it's fine for me to redirect my attention. And I'm sure it sounds like eventually it went away. And then the other thing that people often get caught on, especially when their content is kind of a taboo to topic is they can't just allow the anxious sensations and the anxious um, thoughts because they the shame makes it all seem so true. So even being able to also label the shame in that and um, interpret the shame as the consequence of having these type of thoughts rather than an indication that you're a bad person. Um, yeah, it sounds like you did all that really well. Is that a good mm -hmm. summary of what happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, great. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I know that Dr. Jerome and I also talked about how there's no resolution to the, the thought that I'm a good person mm -hmm. anyway. I'm mm -hmm. wondering what kind of thoughts or reactions you have to that concept. Yeah, I thought that was a really good point that he had made um, because I had just never thought of it that way. Um, because I think I sometimes have that thought um like kind of like background noise in my mind all the time even if I'm not having like pedophile themed intrusive thoughts I think I'm just always trying to like be a good person and I know everyone is trying to be a good person but um 
maybe I'm trying to like prove to myself that I am. And um, that's probably like a compulsion, <laughs> I guess, because I'm trying to figure it out. So um, I thought that was really interesting that he said and that. And those, I just like that. If I can interrupt mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that compulsion, that like hypersensitivity to whether or not you're a good person is the result of having the pedophilia themed OCD content? Um, I don't know. I think um, sometimes it's just also like, and it can be related also to like my relationship. Like if I'm, if I'm having an argument with my husband or something like would not like would a good person be having an argument, but like would people who are in a good marriage be having an argument, even though I know that like everybody does at time to time from time to time. Um, or like with teaching. Um, yeah. I don't know. What's, in, what's important to you about being a good person and checking to ensure that you're a good person? Um, I think uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Okay. Yeah. Did, does it feel like it just showed up for you? No, it feels like it's always been there. Yeah. Oh, not that. Yeah. It's just, it's just always been how you've been thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's related to like the emotional perfectionism. Good connection. Like everything yeah. has to be perfect and feeling good all the time and doing the right thing all the time. And as far as you can remember, that's always been the case. So mm -hmm. does it, does yeah. it feel connected to your not just right compulsions also yeah I think so like I have to have yeah make like everything in my house a certain way yeah I think it would be related to that mm -hmm. and then does it does it stop there where it just it just seems like things should be a certain way it seems like you should be striving to be a good person all the time it seems like you should just be thinking and feeling in the perfect way like um kind of for its own sake not because you're afraid of anything in particular um well actually you just made me think that i think it might be related to like fear fears of being like alone that like relate to loneliness mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking that the other day um i think a lot of it the core comes down to yeah just like a they're being rejected or that nobody loves me. Maybe like I, I feel like I need to be perfect in order to be loved. And yeah, I think that's a big core of it that I'm recently just learning about. Mm -hmm. How does it feel to talk about it? Um, I feel a bit teary talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of sad. Yeah, tell me more about the sadness. Um, I've just, that's been, I, I would say, like, an intrusive thought that I've always had as well. Like, maybe nobody loves me. Maybe nobody loves anybody. Maybe everybody's just, like, selfish and only caring about themselves, I guess. Um, you know, I can tell it's an intrusive thought because I know that that's not true. 
I know that I care about other people. And so therefore other people care about other people as well. Um, I like your logic. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that I do have that thought often as of intrusive thought and like with family or like if, if I ever have like a disagreement with family member or a friend, I feel like why can't it just be perfect? And why like yeah why can't it be perfect and maybe that means they don't really love me nobody really loves me or everybody only cares yeah about themselves and I'm all alone kind of just like that spirals and and that's how I would explain it if 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 that like my brain just goes to like the worst case scenario and just knowing some stuff that happened to you in childhood do you feel like that sense of loneliness and fear that no one loves you started way back when way back then yeah yeah I've never thought about that but probably yeah and then did the did feeling like you needed to be perfect also start really early maybe around this time Mm -hmm. that you started to feel really lonely yeah yeah probably like when my parents were separated and things did feel pretty out of control so I started to feel like I had to control everything yeah that completely makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then how does it relate to your OCD now? Does your does trying to make everything perfect, feeling perfectly, making sure that all your relationships and your work is perfect, does that all seem important to you still? Um, yes, but I think I'm learning to let it go more. Um, like last night I had a conversation with my friend and nothing went wrong in our conversation, but we were both just having a bad day because of the, everyone being self-isolated. And after the conversation, I just felt, uh, it was like interesting. I was like, kind of like disappointed with our conversation and sad, like, well, I think it was kind of like, since she was having a bad day, I felt like she wasn't able to like give me the sympathy that I needed about my bad day. I think that's what it was. And my brain automatically went to like, why can't our relationship just be perfect? Or like, are we even good friends anymore? I don't, it was just weird. And then I realized that that's what was happening. And I tried to just go right to accepting the uncertainty because I do find that, that using that skill works for, lots of different situations so I just tried to say um maybe like we don't have a perfect relationship and that's okay there are no perfect relationships and I also tried to just do like the extremes like maybe we are drifting apart maybe I am alone maybe nobody loves me like I just tried to do an exposure and sit with those feelings great job Yeah, all of that sounds really good. It sounds like that's one area that's getting better. What's still Mm -hmm. hard in terms of emotional perfectionism? Um, I think um, my relationship with my husband sometimes is hard. Like, I think the first time we spoke, I talked a little bit about my relationship OCD. Um, So like just since we've been home I've been feeling sort of like I was feeling last summer when I first reached out to you because I'm not going to work um I just really like having the balance of 
going out to work and my husband is still going out to work. So I start to feel resentful sometimes towards him about that. And, um, but the part that I can tell that is my OCD is that my, my intrusive thoughts are often like, maybe he doesn't love me anymore, or maybe we're drifting apart or any little thing that he says again, I take so personally when really it's like, or I compare it my, in my mind to other people, like imagining that like, if well, no, nobody else's husband would say that to them when really I know that's not true. And he is a really great guy and supportive and loving husband. It's just, especially in the, this situation where everyone's isolated, it's even harder. So yeah, I've just been trying to do work with that. Yeah. Nice perspective and use of common humanity. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the the thoughts are showing up for you. But I mean, are they painful and sticky as they show up? Or are you able to notice them as thoughts and like kind of get perspective before they cause you a lot of distress and suffering? Um, sometimes, I would say both is has been happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I was proud of myself this morning. Um, when I was alone, I had a good cry about it. I, I really like thought, did an exposure and thought about all the thoughts and had a good cry. And that felt a lot better. And it, it felt like it took a lot of the power away from the thoughts. What do you, yeah. What do you think took the power away? That's a great way of saying it. Um, well, I don't know. I was trying to kind of figure that out. Um, I guess just accepting that these are the feelings that I'm having and not trying to push them away and, and also kind of like being compassionate towards myself and not thinking it's ridiculous because sometimes I'm like, why am I so sad? This isn't even a real thing. I'm just like imagining it all. But rather than doing that, just accepting it and saying like, it's okay. I do feel really sad. Like I have the feeling that I'm like losing my husband, even though I'm not. And I'm just going to let myself have that feeling and not judge myself for it. Yeah, that's really the opposite of emotional perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing really good work there. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Um, like, and how you've gotten to be able to like notice and challenge your emotional perfectionism? Um, I think I covered everything. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay, great. Um, the other thing that Dr. Jerome brought up that I wanted to check in with you about is the whole like full stop. Did you Mm -hmm. have thoughts about the full stop strategy? Yeah. Um, I did hear when he was mentioning or asking like, is it an avoidance um, technique, I guess. Um, But I don't think that I use it as an avoidance because I usually try to think of like the worst case scenario when doing exposure, like, like he said, like taking it to the worst place that your mind can go. I do always try to do that before I do the full stop. Um, and then I try to stop, um, myself from like figuring it out or trying to make myself feel better. So I kind of like go to the worst case scenario and feel all the feels and then stop. (laughs) Great. Yeah, the the stop is to remind yourself not to figure it out and not to make it go away. Not you're not stopping. You're not like thought blocking. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I don't think I do that. Like maybe sometimes, but no, I don't. But like, I'll try and catch if I do do that because I never had thought of it that way. But I don't think that I do that. Yeah, it seems like you have so much willingness to have the scary thoughts and then let yourself have the feelings. Can you talk about the process that you experienced to get yourself there? Um, yeah, so um, uh, like I said, kind of, I can like kind of remember when I started doing it. Well, I can remember the moment when I finally understood what you meant about like what rumination was <laughs> because oh, I didn't it before I could understand what it was I couldn't really stop from doing the compulsion <laughs> so um it took me a, a while to actually learn what ruminating meant and then um I think once I learned from you that it was like trying like some examples would be like trying to figure out what your thoughts mean or why you're having the thoughts or what it means about you or like replaying memories in your mind or replaying even thoughts um, or like trying to make yourself feel better in any way. Like, like a big one I used to do would, would be like saying to myself, I know that's not true. Like when my OC was really bad and it first started, I would always say like, I know that's not true. I know I'm a good person. Those are two that I would use a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and those were obvious when I first learned, started learning about the compulsions. So I was like, oh, those are compulsions. But the other little things that I had mentioned before that, I didn't know that those were compulsions. So that was probably not helping at all that I was like trying to do exposures, but then still doing all those things. So once I learned that, uh, it was like a big aha moment. Then I could really start to get into it. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to think of, um, like, do an exposure, think of uh, an intrusive thought, and then I guess I just kind of realized or probably learned from you that getting the most out of it would be to think of, like, the worst-case scenario. Um, like, I might as well just feel as anxious as I can and learn to sit with that feeling um and as well like wh yeah. why why was that an opportunity for you um oh okay I do remember now there was one moment when um I had the thought that I had nothing else to lose and so I thought I can either continue suffering the way that I'm suffering or I can try to do something with my suffering because at that point I was like I'm suffering either way I can like suffer and not do anything about it or I can do the exposures and try like doing what I've been learning about um and so that was kind of like the moment when I was like okay I'm just gonna do it and I was using um a meditation app that was helping me as well doing exposures and then doing meditation. So I really was just trying to sit with it while doing the meditation. And did you have any resistance along the way or what was hard along the way? Yeah. Um, I think the hardest part was, um, um, what's the thing called when you're like trying too hard? 
paradoxical effort. Yeah, yeah, I can think of it. So that was really hard for me because I could tell that that was happening. And I was like, I'm not like being willing and accepting because I'm trying too hard and I want it to go away too much. And I knew like the, I understood the, um, like, what's the word, like the um, philosophy of it or yeah the strategy strategy. yeah like I understood that in able to accept it you had to not be like pushing it away and not wanting wanting it to go away but that was really really hard for me for a long time because I really wanted all the feelings to go away and the thoughts um but then I guess I guess I also kind of just thought like well, I, I still have nothing to lose and I, I need to just be okay if these thoughts and sensations don't go away. And I guess with time, I just learned that I can still do all the things that I want to do. Like I can still move towards my values with these thoughts and sensations being there. And once I learned that I could do that, that was just really powerful. and help me to keep going and um yeah all of that sounds really great is there anything else that you want to share with everyone share with the listeners or any kind of words of hope um i think another thing that helped me is just that i'm really like interested in this kind of thing but that doesn't necessarily help other people because you can't help what you're interested in Uh. but I have curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. And I still do. Like, I think that's all really, really interesting. And I love learning about like the brain and psychology. Um, And yeah, I definitely have a lot of curiosity about it. And everything that I learned, like from you, Maggie, and through Huddle, I found interesting and I would always be like telling my husband and I'd be so excited every time I learned something new and he's like, cool. (laughs) He didn't find it as interesting at all, but I would be like, so like excited after every session. I'm like, guess what? I just learned, especially when you're learning about yourself. I find it really interesting. Like, and when you've been suffering for so long and you start like, it feels like you're like putting a puzzle together and that feels really good. That is a really good attitude. I think sometimes when people suffer for so long, they get helpless and hopeless. And I think another approach to a lot of suffering could can be hope and curiosity uh, and self-compassion for how much you suffered for so long. So it seems like c- compassion and curiosity and hope um, have come to you both naturally, but also because you've done the work around it. So you've done, mm-hmm. you've practiced mindfulness, you, um, facilitate your own curiosity through listening to podcasts and showing up to group and asking questions and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you bringing that up because I agree. Um, Humor can be like, I I think we're laughing quite a bit here. Humor can be a good sign of good prognosis that if you can see the humor in what's happening, it's likely that you'll be able to relate to it more effectively. But I think compassion and curiosity and hope are also all ingredients to a speedy recovery. Um, So thank you so much for your time, Stephanie. Anything else you want to say before we close for today? Um, Yeah, when you were talking, there was something, but now I forget what it was, and that's okay. 
don't think there's anything else. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategy shared here. Thank you.